Welcome to the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, a weekly broadcast sponsored by CBC Coaching, hosted each week by industry speaker, coach, author, and educator, Jerry Eisenhower. Our presentations are produced to assist business owners and managers in turning their business dreams into their business realities. And now, here's your host, Jerry Eisenhower. And I want to welcome you once again to another edition of the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network coming at you every single week. What we try to do is bring you rock stars from outside the industry and from inside the industry. The whole purpose, the whole mission of our show at the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network is to give you ideas, concepts, different ways to grow your business and go to a new level. And this week, we've got a special guest, and we've actually got a very special thing here because what we're going to talk about is how to have a debt-free business and a debt-free lifestyle. And several years ago, I met this guy, met him for years, but I got to know him deeper and deeper and found out that he had actually embarked on this journey some years ago and was actually living a debt-free and a business and personal lifestyle, both in his family and his business. So I want to welcome as my guest today, Jeremy Biswell. Jeremy is a past president of the National Chimney Sweep Guild. He's been around the industry and a lot of people that know him. Bart Ogden, one of the guys he mentored under, actually calls him the golden boy. So Jeremy, you out there with me tonight? I am. How you doing? I'm doing great, brother. So you ready to spread some good... You ready to spread some knowledge and help some people out here and how to go towards this debt-free thing? Yeah, hopefully we help some people. That's it. So listen, I know that you are committed to, and you and Brandy live what I'm going to call a debt-free lifestyle, and you do this in both your personal and your business life. So here's the question I want you to share with everybody. Have you been like this all your life? Did you grow up this way and then and it's just nature, or did one day did something strike you? and got you started on this and how did you make it work man because it sounds like it's a tough thing to do yeah absolutely uh not we did not start off this way we uh we started off like everybody else had parents that uh borrowed money and uh, had 30-year mortgages and uh followed the typical uh path of most people in their financial life so uh basically once we uh Started the uh, once we started the uh, hey Jerry I'm getting some feedback I think it might be you, your end. No, I'm not hearing it. Go ahead, you're okay. I'm echoing. It's weird. Don't worry about it. It's not coming through on this side. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, anyways, uh, so we uh, we when we first started the business we took out a business loan like ever like most people do um, and uh, of course it was a high interest business loan uh about ten thousand dollars um and uh had the had the big payments and everything because we didn't have any credit or anything and uh once i got a lot of that under control we were we were still pretty young and uh, it seemed like i was working a lot you know five to seven days a week long hours uh brandy was in school and also working and every, at the end of every month, we hardly had anything to show for it. We knew money was coming in, uh, but there just wasn't any left over. And I thought, man, this doesn't seem right. I'm working a lot, working hard. So what's going wrong here? And I, uh, one day I was uh, kind of talking to my mom about it. My mom said, hey, you ought to listen to this guy on the radio. His name's Dave Ramsey. 
and uh, he has a he has a daily show on uh, the AM station where he, where people call in with debt issues and money issues, and he gives them answers. So I started to listen to that and caught on and really liked it. And uh, Brandy and I were driving to her mom's house for uh, dinner, and we drove by a church, and there and they were boasting that they were going to have a Dave Ramsey class. So he has a he has a um, a course that you can take that kind of teaches his philosophy on things. It's called Financial Peace University. So we uh, we signed up and we uh, ended up taking that class and uh, followed through on everything and then started working on the concepts. Uh, it took us about three to four years and uh, we got all of our personal uh, debt uh, paid off and then uh, we whittled at the uh, business and got the business debt free as well. So Jeremy, what's some of the things you have to do? Like when you say you whittled the debt down, tell me the some of the things you did. I mean, did you keep living the same lifestyle or did you have to drastically change your lifestyle in order to accomplish this? I don't, I don't know if it's drastic. It might sound drastic to a lot of people because it's abnormal to not have cable and to, uh, pay really close attention and try to uh, make lists and uh, meal plan weekly and and sell all your toys. Uh, we as business owners, uh, you know, you go through the day and you work hard and you end up uh, working hard and playing hard and you go, hey, I deserve this or that. I deserve a fancy car, a big house or uh, a toy, a boat, what have you. I deserve elaborate vacations, things of that nature. And hey, I've got this money coming in. I've got all this money coming in. So of course I can get loans and credit cards and everything else uh, to spend that because the bank sees, hey, this is how much earning potential I've got. So everybody will loan you money. So basically what we did was is we started going the opposite of what everybody does. Um, I had, I had a motorcycle. I sold it. We had, um, extra stuff. We sold it all. We whittled it down, got bare bones, uh, meal planned every week. If it wasn't on the list, we didn't purchase it. Um, got rid of a, a lot of the, uh, luxury things in our lives. Uh, skipped a couple of vacations, did some cheaper things. Um, stopped going out on the weekend, uh, definitely stopped buying a bunch of alcohol, things like that at bars, you know, that can get pretty expensive and we were younger. Of course, we don't go to the bars and stuff even at this age, but back then we did, you know? So, uh, that was a lot of the things, a lot of, a lot of what some people would say sacrifice. Um, I kind of call it trimming the fat and getting down into reality. Yeah. So then you take you take all that extra money I and mean, you budget everything out and you go, okay, this is how much it costs me to live and this is how much we have at the end of the month, and then you put all and you put whatever extra you can onto the debt. And you start with the uh, with the smallest debt and you throw all that money off and then you and then you pay that off. Then you take that same amount of money and you put it on the next debt, the next largest debt. And that's called the debt snowball, is what Dave Ramsey calls it. Until you get all the way up to the biggest debt, which is usually your home, and you start whittling on that. And next thing you know, you've got a 30-year mortgage that is uh, that you've just whittled down and paid off in less than 10 years. Right. So you made extra house payments, uh, which went directly to principal, correct? 
Yes, yeah, and, and when you do that, you you back then I don't know how people do it now. I I haven't had a mortgage on anything in so long, but you used to get a payment book, and the payment book each each month you would send off one of the, you'd rip out the slip out of this little payment book, and you'd write in this is how much I'm sending off. They had a minimum payment, which I think ours was like fifteen hundred dollars, and at the time we had money escrowed. Um, for insurance and taxes and everything, right? Yeah, because we didn't just pay that. It, w it came out monthly, so the bank would uh, pay those. And uh, so then it had a, a breakdown where you, if you wanted to throw more on the um, principal, or not on the principal, I'm sorry, on the interest, I'm sorry, on the principal, uh, you want to put more on the principal, uh, you could write that in and send that extra check in. So yeah, that's what we would do. And there's little tricks out there making extra payments every month and breaking them down and everything. I just did it once a month and I took whatever extra I could throw on it and threw it on it and, um, you know, kind of get systematic after a while and you get used to living that way. And, you know, the money's just there because if you're not spending it, it goes right back into your account and it stays there. Yeah. Dave Ramsey, part of Dave Ramsey's story, wasn't he a financial failure? Didn't he fail bad? And that's how he learned how to get on top of this and how he has this drive today. Yeah, he uh, he was kind of in real estate and uh, he would uh, buy and flip houses and he was basically rolling bank loans and uh, eventually they caught up to him. He claimed bankruptcy and right when he uh, did all that and was trying to get himself back out of debt, that's when he derived this whole system. You know, it's amazing in my world of coaching, the more and more I find the super success stories in the coaching world, such as Zig Ziglar, Larry Winget, other people, and how financially they got debilitated at some point in their life. It really amazed me when I found out that Zig Ziglar, his daughter came home one day and the marshals had boarded, you know, had taken possession of their home. And those are the kind of things that affects people and where I'm hoping, you know, you, what I admire about you guys is y'all made this decision. You weren't forced into it. In my own life, I had to hit a wall in order to understand this finally myself because I was basically bank funded in business and it ended up debilitating me one day. So, you know, I admire you and Brandy because I've, you know, and I sit there and I know the lifestyle you're leading now. And the neat thing is with your kids and all, you've got small kids and now you don't have debt, which enables you to do things with your kids that a lot of people wish they could do with their kids, Brand, uh, Jeremy. So that's that's really neat. So tell me, you and Brandy entered into this jointly, correct? Yeah, yeah. Brandy, Brandy embraces challenge. She get, She's an amazing woman. If you know Brandy, she gets up at 4 a.m. every day, goes to the gym, and gets done more than what most people will get done in a day before I even wake up out of bed. So she, she enjoys a challenge. And at that time she was in school. And, and, uh, so it was, it was, uh, it, the nice thing was it was easy to be a little leaner because her whole life was school. So, uh, she was, uh, spending a lot of time studying and getting her nursing degrees and things of that nature. So she had, some recreational things it was basically studying and being in school and I had my business um, at the time because she wasn't part of the business when we first um, started everything 
And uh, so I was able to focus a lot on the business and getting it where we wanted to be. And she was focused on building her career and her education. So it was a good, it was a good time of our life to, to really throw down and get this done. Um, it would probably be a little harder now, but with the kids, you know, you get the kids involved and the whole family goes after it. And I think we could, I think we could chop that tree down again if we had to, but thank God, you know, we're, uh, we've set ourselves up in a nice, in a nice place. So um, I, I don't, I don't foresee us in that. And once you do something uh, that drastic, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what you said. You said a lot of these people had, had to hit and yourself included had to hit rock bottom low and drag yourself back up out of it. You'll never be in that spot again in your life, right? Never, no way, Jeremy. There's no way I could ever go through that in my life again. No way. Same thing. Same thing for us. We'll never be in that. I don't care what I have to do. We won't. We we won't get in that financial situation we started off as that we were taught by our parents and taught in school, of all things. We we won't ever get back there again, and uh, we'll we'll fight tooth and nail to to do it. So that's the that's the type of attitude you gotta have. You gotta you gotta hit that rock bottom, and you gotta have that drive. Well, I know Jeremy. The last time I was in Kansas City, you guys had made a decision. You live in a house that I'm gonna I'm gonna guess was built in the latter part of the 20th century, probably in the 70s or 80s and you guys lived there it was paid for but you wanted to modernize it and you did a very complete remodel of your house and i've seen that it was not a low-cost remodel in fact you learned some business things out of that but i'm presuming that was not borrowed money you did that rebuild on was it nope just wrote a check every uh, every for every draw just wrote a check yeah so that it was saved up for i mean we knew it was coming so i i, I budget everything in my life I figure I we live in a 3,000 square foot house in Kansas, and it when we bought it, I want to say 15 years ago ish, it was $220,000. So I figure, look, I'm a chimney sweep. I'm a very handy guy. I can probably do a lot of the maintenance and stuff myself. I painted the the house myself. I did a lot of the lawn work and stuff at the time myself. So I figured when we bought this home it would cost me about $5,000 a year in upkeep, which was, which to some people, they go, whatever, that's my house doesn't cost that. And some people will go, that's way not enough. Well, for what I figured, that's about what I figured. Well, you know, so uh, we've always, I've always budgeted money on that. So that way we also throw in a little bit extra because I know that, look, this time's going to come that we're going to start not liking our house anymore. We're going to want, you know, some sort of a change. So when you buy another house, you're going to probably want something bigger or nicer or newer or what have you. And I don't want to incur that debt. And to save up hundreds of thousands of dollars is pretty hard, right? So, um, so what we did was we save up a little bit. And then when we, when we went to do this remodel, it, we knew it was going to be about $70,000, um, and it's, it's, it's nice, you know, we want nice stuff. Uh, but it was the full kitchen, the whole main floor and everything, a lot of, a lot of work. Uh, so the decision at that time was, okay, Brandy, it's, you know, we're, it's now time to remodel or move. We can either take the money that we've saved up, sell the house, 
add it to that and then we can have a new budget so we can just pay the next house off not have to go in and borrow more money or anything or we sink it into the house we love the neighbors our parents are both uh within walking distance uh a good a good hike but uh within walking distance we love our neighbors we know the house so that's the decision we decided to make was to remodel and it's nice right you've been here right have you been here for it yet or yeah, was that somebody else that came in uh, i was there and i actually taught a class it, you know when you did this remodel you actually made it big enough that you have classes in your home now and last time i was there we did a we did a three-day training in your house because you're dining room. yeah and we yeah, and, we, and that's one of the reasons we did it, too. I do a lot of, I, I work from my home office a lot. Um, we have a nice big shop, um, and but I've got three girls in that office that can do a very good job, and they don't need me looking over their shoulders. And as the original business owner, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I'm constantly sticking my nose in things. I don't need to do that. So I, I, I separate myself from it, and I come home. It's nice and quiet. Um, my kids, I can see my kids come home or I'll be out in the field in the afternoon. But um, if like we had a rep come in and the guy called um, and he said, hey, you know, where do you want to meet? Most people would meet at a restaurant. No, we've got a beautiful remodeled um, island kitchen area. I can bring him in. I can make my own coffee and ha offer him a cup or what have you. And if people come into town, we can host people here. Very nice. So it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of double duty. I need to find a way to write some of it off tax-wise. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Jeremy. You know, since I've known you and since the first time I ever came and visited with your company, I know you moved in a new building. And I know that when you moved in that, one of your, one of your dreams was to rapidly retire that debt. Has that debt been retired? Mm -hmm. how, how long did it take you to retire that debt? So... I broke I broke my own rule just a little bit. When we bought that building, it was kind of a it was kind of a quick move. Um, we were in, and you were there. We were in a shop, and we were popping at the seams. We had so much stuff, we had to put another garage door in because we couldn't even get to the rear of our shop. <laughs> so we had to put a garage door in the side of it to be able to get in there. So logically, we hey look, we need to move. So. Um, we had looked for buildings and, and there weren't a lot uh, in the price range and the size that we needed. Well, there was one down the road and Brandy had been kind of working on the people that were in it because they wanted a different building. So they decided to sell it. So we, all of a sudden we were looking at a, a, a new building. Uh, I think we, I think we bought it for 230, 220, 230 up to 250 I can't remember I'd have to look it up but anyways um and we were in a $135,000 building you know before so obviously we got even if we sold it ASAP we you know we probably wouldn't get much more than what I bought it for a couple of years back before that and then we'd have to come up with another $100,000 so I got, I got a line of credit, took out a small loan from the, from the bank. Now I had the money at that time. I had enough money if I, if I would have basically emptied the bank accounts and, um, and took up the emergency fund and everything. I didn't want to put myself at that type of risk. What if something happened? So we took it out and I figure, okay, we're going to, I'm going to have this thing paid off in about two years. Well, we did it in a year, but you, believe me, you, you, fo you laser focus that. 
and it's amazing on how fast things you can you can do. Um, so yeah, so we we did take out a little bit, but we had a game plan on getting rid of that debt ASAP. Of course, the bank probably hates us, but hey, you know what? I don't care. You just got to make sure that there's no penalty for paying that thing off early. Yeah. So that does this. I mean, if you see you need a new tool then this makes it much mm -hmm. easier or we'll say you want to provide a new service or make any kind of investment in the business. This makes it a lot easier decision, but at the same time, you're not somebody that just throws money right and left. You measure the ROI of everything you buy, I believe, correct? Yeah, we, I, I research and I also, I keep files on things. Like if I go, Hey, I want to get into duct cleaning. I start to research it. I talk to people. I run into people. I look into different things and I make a file and I never jump into something ASAP. You got to do it slowly and you got to make sure you're making the right decision because since we're not borrowing this money, we've got to, we've got to bring it and we want to make sure that the money's there. So, you know, so we kind of start budgeting for it. So nothing's a, a hurry up and jump in thing. It's always a very, not a very long process, but it's kind of a thought through. I also, I, I, everybody in their right mind is an impulse buyer. Jerry, I've been staring at the same motorcycle. I, I really want a new motorcycle and I've got the money to do it, but I hate to part with money. It's about $15,000. I've got my old motorcycle and it works great and I, and I probably won't get rid of it, but I keep on looking at this thing. It's probably gonna be gone before I finally get around to it, but you know, I saved up for it and, and I still can't pull the trigger just because I just, ah, man, that's, that's a lot of money I could be doing something else with or what have you. So it's good to sit back and pull it away from yourself a little bit before you impulse buy it. Even though we really want those things, you know, I run through my head, Hey, do I really want another thing that I got to keep the maintenance up on? That I got to get insurance on you know, I can rent really nice motorcycles for a weekend if I'm just going to ride it. Because how much am I going to ride it? What if we have a busy summer? What if I want to go on a trip or something? You know, so uh, th those are all things that roll through my head a little bit. I think a lot of people are impulse buyers. They feel like I owe myself this. I owe it to myself to eat out every day. I owe it to myself to go on extravagant vacations, put it all on the credit card. I owe it to myself. Hey, I only live once, life's short, I'm gonna do this, you know, but that's really not the way you wanna think. You wanna think, hey, let me get myself out of this because once I have no debt, all of that money that I was once putting towards those debts automatically comes right back to me. And then next thing you know, you basically became your own bank in your business, in your personal life, and you're just basically putting all that stockpiling, all that money, and then you can either make put it into investments or you can, you know, bankroll your own things and you aren't relying on the bank at that point. You're not relying on, can I get this loan? Am I going to be able to make this payment? What if I get hurt? You know, what if I can't work? What if I become debilitated? What if I get cancer? What if I get cancer? You know, I mean, all these things that happened to these people and have happened to a lot of people that we know. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, Jeremy, I, it's like I, you did something. You and myself and uh, Cheryl went to dinner last time I was there because we in St. Louis. And then we came to Kansas City and I saw something that night. You did something that kind of told me something about Jeremy. There was a waiter working another table 
and he had a pile of people and you said, I know that guy didn't get tipped decently. And you wrote him a really nice tip that night, much more than you would have tipped on just our meal. And that, that told me a lot about Jeremy Bizzle that night, bud. It really did. So yeah, let me, let me ask you. Well, I like doing things like that. Uh, I, I always tell people I'm not, we have certain things that we give money to and that's the nice thing about being out of debt you can you can you can give more that's a huge thing we give to our church but i also respect the hard-working american i i i i respect people that you know do service uh related work and you know they all deserve nice things we deserve nice things i like nice things you like nice things so you know when i see someone putting in a lot of effort uh, hey, I'm gonna. I want to reward them, and I don't need. You know, uh, I appreciate you, uh, that you that you notice that and you say nice things about it. But you know, it, it's it's all about that self fulfillment, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it makes me feel good when you say nice things about me, Jerry. So keep it up. Well, I do. Hey, man, and it's not to blow. You know, that told me a lot about Jeremy Biswell when you did that. Cheryl and I talked about that later. You know, and it's uh, just shows the kind of guy you are. So let me ask you this, Jeremy. If someone is part of a couple, and this is a situation we run into a lot of times, one is we will call them the spendthrift, and the other one wants to get on a debt-free lifestyle. What would you tell them to do, Jeremy? Well, basically, you gotta you gotta communicate, and and if I think if you sit down and you write everything down together and you show each other this is where everything's going and this is where we need to go and uh, you got to find out is that spender a visual person are they an auditory person or what and try to communicate with them that way um obviously they've got certain habits or they feel uh they they have they spend money to maybe self-fulfill something so if you can have that conversation about that too Hey, you know, I know you love Starbucks every morning, but do they really, you know, do they love the coffee that much? They love, do they love a $5 cup of coffee that much? Or do they just enjoy going and having the social time there or what have you? You know, uh, maybe they need something. Maybe they need something more. So you got you to gotta have that open conversation. And honestly, uh, I, I led a group at Financial Peace University at our church here. Uh, Brandy led one, too. Uh, a few months back, and uh, we actually had a couple that uh, was that very way, and they decided to, you know, come to that as kind of a marriage counseling therapy and just see how other people are. And there's a lot of people that are a lot worse off than you think, you know, you might be or someone might be, and uh, I think that helped too. I think that really helped uh, that couple. So hopefully they're doing well. But uh, um, you know they're in my group, and and uh, I saw them at church the other day. They seem to be happy. So whatever happy median they came to. But uh, you know I, I've I've never met anybody. Uh, I've heard it a million times. In fact, it was advice from one of my original business coaches: borrow, borrow and build your business with somebody else's money. I'm yet to find anybody that is that has been able to borrow their way out of debt and borrow their way into becoming millionaires. I, I, I've never met any of those people. You talked earlier about all these successful people that you've met. 
Uh, do any of them borrow money all the time? Did any of them borrow the money to get to where they are and, and they're able to keep on borrowing and use other people's money? No, the other people's money they get is from the hard work that they do and people pay them that money. So that's the other people's money that they're getting and they're able to budget that money and utilize that money properly. So what, it, what they have coming in, there's less going back out, right? Because yeah. there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only 24 hours in a day, and we can only do so much work. So you either have to charge more or spend less. Well, I'm here to tell you, there eventually there's a ceiling to what you can charge, but you can always spend less. <laughs> I got you covered, brother. But listen, this is something I like to tell everybody to do in my show. And this is why I'm just going to tell you to take off. And what I want to know from Jeremy is, Brother, you have been in this business. You have been president of the National Trade Association. You have visited foreign countries as a delegate for American Chimney Suites. So we're going into the year 2018. This will be, but this podcast will be released right before Christmas. But what I know, what I'd like you to do is, what's Jeremy's thoughts? What's Jeremy's advice to be successful in what I call reach your dreams in your business and personal life? What's your advice to share with everybody, Jeremy? Take them, take a little bit more time. Don't, don't run so hard, but take a little bit more time and try to maximize things. You'd be surprised how many things you do throughout the day and how much time you waste and how much energy you waste on certain things that are not bringing you the return that you, that you deserve or that you should be getting. So that's one thing we've been working on in our business a lot. We, uh, we, have these, we have this beautiful system, this computer system. We have all this technology now. So we're able to actually, and you always think in your head, oh, I can't give up X because, or this part of the business, or I can't give up going to this part of my service area because we do a ton of business there. But then when you actually look at the numbers and you, and you work it down, you go, oh my gosh, Really, our average return per customer up in that area is $220 when we can go right down the street here and our average is $2,000? Or, man, I spend my entire day prepping for these types of jobs and we, and we have the biggest headaches and my guys have to learn all this new stuff or they have to do things they're not that good at. It gets frustrating or I have to go out and do it myself. And you kind of realize, hey, that's not really what I should be doing because we were, our guys are excellent. For example, uh, one thing that we stopped doing was drywall. We suck at drywall. We're not drywallers. So we either need to, A, find a contractor that does drywall, or B, just tell the customer flat out, we don't do drywall. So, you know, here's what we are going to do, and here's what we can do, and we're very good at this. And that's that's the point. That's the place where we're going to stop at that point. And that this this part of the job isn't isn't included. But for you to go, well, no, we're going to do all of this stuff, and my guys need to be excellent at fifteen hundred different things. It's just impossible. So I so you know, for all the time we were spending on drywall, I was looking, and heck, we do we we could do two smoke chambers in the amount of time. We can fix that one piece of drywall because we got to do it. We got to hang it. We got to mud it. Then we got to go away. Then we got to come back, sand it, mud it again because we suck at it. Okay. Then hopefully it looks good again. Okay. We come back. Nope. Still looks like crap. Mud it again. 
you know, there just isn't a fast way to do that stuff. Now, we, there might be chimney sweeps out there that are excellent at drywall. They can do it one time, poof, there it is. We can't. We suck at it. Now, if I ever get an employee that's really good, something might change. But honestly, for the amount of jobs that, that we need to do some drywall on, it was so small, and I was spending all this time retooling, buying extra stuff, worrying about this or that. It, it, was, it was a total eat up. So honestly, we were losing money on that when we could have been focusing on something else and doing something else. So that's my biggest suggestion is to take a good grand look at everything you do. Find those things that you either don't like doing or your, or your company, your guys, yourself, or anything suck at it. Also look at service areas, how much time you're spending driving to areas, whittle down to, and be a little snobby. You know, hey, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to turn down, you know, this poor person that lives in the middle of nowhere an hour and a half away because there is no chimney service up there. Well, that's great, but if you have to drive an hour and a half one way and then drive an hour and a half back, and then what if that customer has a callback or something, you've just ate up half a day when you could have done two customers back here and made twice as much money. So does any of that make sense? Sound like a good plan? That sounds like it, bro. Well, listen, you did make me think of one question I am going to ask you, Jeremy. One time, yeah. I, one time you and I were having a conversation. And it went like this. I said, Jeremy, you know, you are a guy that I need to know what your secret of success is. And as we talked, you shared something with me that day. And I want you to share it with the people that are listening because I think they all need to hear it. And you said that I think the difference is that if our workload gets slack, I don't lose my cool because number one, I'm not deep in debt. So, and but the other is, I know that phone will ring tomorrow morning, and by us not having a heavy workload, I think we're more profitable. Would you expand on that statement? Because I think a lot, you and I have had this conversation quite a few times, but Slack backlogs don't concern you like, I mean, actually, you take a look at it, but you're not going to lose sleep tonight because your workload in a few days is slack. Would you expand on that for me? No, in fact, we're right in the middle of the busy season right now, and I know we've got two openings tomorrow that uh, my office gal is about 4.30, and she was worried about filling, and I said, we'll fill it tomorrow. I mean, heck, we'll we'll get it. We'll come in tomorrow morning to, to five phone calls, and one of those five is going to be the lucky contestant on The Price is Right and, and want that fill-in tomorrow. So there's always – so we're kind of in a yin, yin and yang industry. There's a there's an amount of pride and and it, assurance I guess and hey I'm booked out a month I'm booked out two months what have you and when I look at something like that I go I screwed up somewhere if I'm booked up that far out then I screwed up somewhere I didn't I didn't gauge my market properly because if I'm booked out that far I'm either doing way too much advertising and or I'm not charging enough or uh, something, something of that nature. Uh, maybe I need more people. Maybe I need to hire more people. I need to do something different. Or maybe the reason I'm booked up is because I'm doing crap that I suck at, like drywall, and it eats up four times the amount of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so 
time after time, I'd see people are, you know, griping about uh, real estate agents. Let's, uh, and this is, this was kind of my case study. I go, you know, we, we keep on anytime a real estate agent calls, when do they need it, Jerry? They need it now. I mean, they got a house closing getting ready to happen. Yeah. And by, and what do they have 10 days after they decide to sign paperwork and who gets called first, the home inspector. What if it takes the home inspector five days to get there? Yeah. So now they're calling the chimney sweep and the chimney sweep has, they have five days to get the chimney sweep in because they've already ate up all their other time. They don't get another 10 days. So basically you've got this whole market of people that need something Thursday uh, at one o'clock, you know, or what have you. And they'll work with that time. They'll work with it. If you, if you don't have Thursday at one o'clock. So what I did was I go, look, you know, I, I keep on everybody. Grabs. I can't believe they expect that tomorrow. I laughed at him and hung up the phone. Well, I started going, my gosh, how much business am I losing? You know, those people will pay. They'll pay my rate. And so how much business am I losing? So I, we started tracking it. It was an entire truck's worth of business. Yeah. I was like, my gosh, I can hire another person. That's yeah. insane. So, so basically, uh, that was one thing. That was one aha moment. The other one was, what's the number one thing you see all over heating and cooling companies, trucks, and, and when you see it on the commercials and everything? Same day service. Same day service and back here in Charlotte, we have one and they run, it's very common here. We run two shifts. They run seven days a week and their motto is we're going to come when you need us, not when we want to come. That's, and they run the last count I had, they were running several years ago, 139 service trucks. So Jerry, that's exactly where I was going. 139. You ever met a chimney company with 139 trucks? Nope. And I bet you those guys will be there the minute you call and when you need them. It might take a few hours or what have you. So if they're running 139 trucks and they're probably doing, my God, how much revenue do you think they're doing? Well, let's 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. I would say I know that he had his own actor on television that just went to Hollywood, and that's all that guy did. That was a full-time job was to make commercials for Morris Jenkins Heating and Air. And he's got. Do so you think they're on to something? I think they're on something. <laughs> he's got a make, and what it was, and I've told, I've used this this company in training before, but it was actually Morris Heating and Air that started back in the '40s. And Dewey Jenkins bought it in the 1990s. And Dewey Jenkins is a marketeer. He's not an HVAC guy. He knows how to be. He's a business owner. He's not a. He's not a HVAC technician that moved up to it. He bought this, and I mean, you check on. Just go to uh, go to their YouTube channel or other stuff and their TV commercials, and they're always. It's unreal what they're doing. And they do it, and they've got the greatest reputation you can believe. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, well, heck, who wouldn't like the guy that you call at 11 o'clock at night because your toilet's backed up and they're out there in, in an hour or two, right? That's so it. you got a drain that's backing up. How horrible is that? Yeah. You know, well, maybe chimneys and fireplaces aren't that important, but we have people that are very busy, you know, and we have, I saw on, on Facebook just the other day, someone was complaining because, you know, someone wanted something at eight o'clock at night and and one guy popped on and said, Hey, you know, I'll take that appointment. Well, that's not a bad thing. You know, if you want to run the, uh, those appointments that late, 
what I would do is before I just started doing that, I would probably start tracking that and see if it's worth my time to set up that whole thing rather than just go out there randomly because uh, there's a lot more involved in it. Uh, but, you know, hey, that might be a magic bullet somewhere too, you know. So, yeah, and, and you know, a company that's running 139 trucks and that's uh, profitable and uh, everything else, I think he's on to something. So who are we to sit there and go, ah, that guy's crazy. Yeah. He's not crazy. He's just doing something that nobody else wants to do. And he's going down that odd path when everybody else said, hey, let's go this way. He goes, no, I think I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what me and Brandy did. And that's the whole reason we're having this conversation, Jerry, is because everybody else goes that way. And we said, hey, let's try this way, see how it works. And I'm here to tell you, it works. Yeah. Well, it, for everybody listening, this has been our conversation with Jeremy Bizzle. And if you see Jeremy at a convention, he's kind of crazy sometimes. You may think he's a little off his rocker. That's part of that's part of his brand when you look at him. He does crazy, stupid stuff. I know that I will never leave my Facebook open with Jeremy in the room because he'll be picking up my phone and there he goes out there. Right, Jeremy? Oh, it's all good and fun. And, and you're able to say things that you wouldn't usually say, Jerry. <laughs> I, I express those emotions for you yeah. through that. Yeah, I, that's what I need. I need Jeremy to express my emotions. I've never had, I've always had a problem expressing my emotions, Jeremy. So anyway, brother, <laughs> listen, I appreciate you taking the time out. We're doing this on a weekday evening, and uh, I know, Brand, you know, getting you set up for this. Also, I really appreciate it uh, and all that kind of stuff. So look at, if you're interested in knowing more about, about how to live a debt-free lifestyle, this is one of Jer this is one of Jeremy's driving forces to see people do this. Jeremy, would that be a true statement when I say that that you you would be glad to help anyone that wants to accomplish that debt free lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. And then the offer is still on the table. Anybody that takes Financial Peace University and submits uh, and uh, takes that program for the entire duration and submits the uh, the uh, uh, diploma that you get at the end of it to me, I'll I'll pay for the class. I'll reimburse them for the class. I didn't want to bring that. I knew that was out there, Jeremy. I didn't. I wanted. I didn't want to be the person to bring that up. But that right there, if you want, and I know he's willing to do this because I've shared this with some people. But you got to go to the financial piece, and you've got to get the diploma, right, Jeremy? Yeah, and it's not an easy task. It's. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember how many weeks. Maybe twelve weeks. And uh, it's during the week, it's an evening, several hours. Uh, so it's a dedication. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, going in a room of, of people that need to lose weight and saying, hey, guys, you know, welcome to the Jeremy's version of the biggest loser. If y'all lose 50 pounds and you keep it off for a couple months or what have you, then I'll give you a dollar a pound or whatever, you know, so it's not easy. Yeah. You're going to have to make some sacrifices, but you know, it's, 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 it, it's just like all educational tools or anything. Once you get over that, there's a big accomplishment. There's a sense of accomplishment and you learn something. That's great. Well, like I said, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of well-known, you know, celebrities on this show with me, the Larry Wingets, the Gettimers, the Ellen Roars, Randy Pennings, uh, people, but Jeremy, in my book, you're a rock star too. Okay. And I really appreciate <laughs> being here with me tonight, brother. So anyway, this well, is Jerry, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. You got something else? Uh, well, I was going to say is you, what I need you to do now is I need you to tell all of these uh, 
Gitmers and Wingets and everything that I had a rock star. His name was Jeremy Bizzle. Then they'll go, who is this guy? That guy must be amazing. And then they'll all be calling me for advice. And next thing, I, next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keynote speaker at conventions, right? There you go, man. That's a, Hey, you want to get to that line? <laughs> hey, I can get you going, brother. So anyway, this is Terry Eisenhower, and this is our show is put on every week. It's the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, and it's sponsored by my company, CBC Coaching, and we do this every week. It's distributed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and on Spreaker. Also be looking, we're now rolling out our educational platform. It's what we call CBC Basecamp, and we're putting up a lot of educational products on this each and every week. It's a program where you only buy the classes that you need for your company. There is no subscription required to this. And once you buy a class, you have a license to use it. It goes into your library. So there's no monthly recurring fees with the CBC system. So if we can help you out with your education, help you out getting to your dreams, give me a call. My name's Jerry Eisner, and I look forward to looking to talking with you someday. So with that, we're out of here this week. Join us next week and every week as we release our podcast, The Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, that is designed to help my friends, my colleagues, and most of all, almost my family members in the fireplace and chimney industry. So, Jeremy, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining us here each week at The Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, sponsored by CBC Coaching, providing you the coaching and educational outreach services you need to move to your dream destination in business and in life.